I offer a manufacturer's entire line. It's a total long tail approach. Welcome to the 2X e-commerce podcast show, where we interview founders of fast growing seven and eight figure e-commerce businesses and e-commerce experts. They'll tell their stories, share how they 2X their businesses and inspire you to take action in your own online retail business today. And now, here he is, the man in the mix, Kunle Campbell. This episode is brought to you by Remarkety. Remarkety is an email marketing platform specifically built for e-commerce businesses. With Remarkety, emails are automatically triggered by shopper behavior and purchase history. With a few simple clicks, Remarkety allows you to recover abandoned carts, win back inactive customers, make product recommendations, deliver newsletters, and a whole lot more. In other words, emails you will send through Remarkety will be highly targeted with glaring improvements on your open rates, click rates, and most importantly, conversions. You're also able to track revenue generated from every single email sent by Remarkety. Try Remarkety absolutely free for 30 days, no credit cards, and no contracts. To sweeten the deal, 2x e-commerce listeners can get Remarkety for 30% off an entire year using the coupon code PODCAST30. That is coupon code podcast three zero visit remarkity.com to learn more remarkity is email marketing for e-commerce simplified i asked for feedback on itunes and i did receive one i got a feedback from max last week and he said i listen to every one that kune does very insightful, great content, highly recommended if you own, walk or run an e-commerce site. Max, I appreciate your feedback. Now, to everyone listening, if you listen to 2X e-commerce podcast or this is your first episode or you enjoy the show, you're a regular and have any feedback of any sorts, just drop um, it. Feel free to drop feedback or review on iTunes. I would appreciate it as it helps a ton with um, not only our exposure but our rankings and eventual downloads it's important to me because i get feedback on the value i endeavor to deliver in this these um shows i i publish these episodes i publish so just go ahead and um leave me a a, a feedback or a review on itunes it'll take under a minute okay so back to the show Hello, 2Xers. Welcome to the 2X e-commerce podcast show. And I'm your host, Kunle Campbell. This is the stop. You stop here for an hour. You stop here for 30 minutes. If you want to get vitamins for growth. Now, growth and e-commerce. I assume you are involved in some way, shape or form in e-commerce. That's why you're listening to this show. And what you get from this show really is growth. You know, um, I'm very much, con- well, not concerned, but I'm very much involved and interested in market growth and sales growth. How are you going to grow your, your brand, your e-commerce businesses and sales as a result? And um, I not only cover normal e-commerce businesses, that's e-commerce businesses on their own websites. I also cover marketplace, you know, e-commerce businesses. So Amazon or eBay, like, you know, um, e-commerce businesses. Now, if you recall on episode 49, speaking of marketplace businesses and Amazon businesses, I had Will Turnlord on the show to talk about the lean way of starting and growing and fulfilled by Amazon private label e-commerce product business. You recall that Will worked with his brother Andrew for two years where they both managed to scale an Amazon business from £350,000 in year one to £1.2 million in year two, sorry, dollars in year two through to an expected $8 million in this financial year in year three. Now, um, Will went on to travel and, um, you know, to, to, to discover life and he as a result, has 
set up a lean you know amazon business and he talked about his approach to to, to building out a lean um, location independent amazon business which was very very interesting on episode 14 well on today's show we're going to be talking about scale about the specifics of this bigger business the bigger business you know andrew runs and, and manages and at this scale, you know, we, he's going to talk to us about the capital requirements, the discipline required to effectively manage stock. It's, it's just jam packed with a lot of, you know, info. It's an hour long conversation and we're going to cover a lot. We'll talk about how to also select the right manufacturing partners domestically or from China. And, um, if you want to know what it means to grow an Amazon business from a six-figure to a near eight-figure business, grab your notepads and pens and be prepared to take notes in this episode. That's it. It's 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 just he he delivers on this one. So without further ado, I will like to introduce Andrew Turnlot. Welcome to the show, Andrew. Could you take about thirty seconds to a minute to introduce yourself to to listeners, please? Excellent. I will definitely do that. My name is Andrew Churnland. I am an Amazon seller. I own a few different Amazon-related companies, um, but my main company sells products on Amazon as well as to Amazon. I've been doing that as a main focus of that business for about three years, but I've been selling online through Amazon, eBay, and related channels for about 10 years. And so um, we hope to do around probably 8 million in 2015 and probably closer to 10 to 14 million in 2016. So things have been growing and, and growing quickly and we've, we've had a lot of fun doing it. That's very interesting. So you said you've been around for about three years. First year, you're in business um, in Amazon. So in the context of Amazon for our listeners, um, that's what this um, episode is really going to cover. We're going to dig right deep into your Amazon business. So your first year, what did you do and what were you selling on Amazon? So we were we had access to products from previous channels or other channels, but we, we just stuck with a, a handful to start kind of the best seller, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And we probably did about $350,000 in that first year. Um, we didn't focus a lot on it. Okay. And then following that, we were able to grow that uh, you know substantially and then kind of substantially again. Mm-hmm. So year two was was well, what kind of revenues did you do in year two from three hundred and fifty in the first year? I would guess that's you know one and a half, one and three quarters, something like that. I guess it, it kind of all runs together now, but some somewhere in that range. Right. And um, this year you're expected to to do about eight million in revenue. So so this is just phenomenal growth. This is five six x year on year. Absolutely. Yes. Um, yeah, things have been, Amazon's been very good to us and we've been able to kind of just expand our product line to continue to grow by kind of expansion of product line versus relying purely on selling more of the same units. Okay. Let's dig into expansion of product line. Um, it's a very, so let's first of all talk about the products you sell. So what kind of products do you sell on Amazon? Is it confidential or are you happy to, to, to share it with the audience? Um, I can, I do all sorts of products. So, um, there's, there's, there's several, um, we do anything from rather than name them all, I'll just give you a wide range. We sell 3d printing filament, knee scooters for people who need an alternative to, uh, crutches to get around. I sell fighting gloves for UFC style fighting. I sell industrial mechanical equipment. Mm -hmm. I sell small little um, you know, speed controls and circuit boards and a whole bunch of stuff in between. So, I mean, there's a, there's a really wide variety of, of what we offer right now. Talk about, uh, yeah, just talk about the breadth in terms of, um, you know, 3D printing, filament through to, to fighting gloves. Okay. So why did you focus on expansion of product lines as compared to trying to sell more volumes of the, of your initial products? Sure. Well, I think the, best way to expand sales is and and while also mitigating risk mm-hmm. is to expand your line and not only um, does expanding your line drive costs down 
by being able to be in a better negotiating position and a logistical position with your suppliers. That is a fancy way of saying by ordering a bunch from a certain supplier, they'll give you better pricing. And by ordering a bunch at one time, you can take advantage of you know the scale to in order to uh, lower your per unit cost to get it from point A to point B. So I basically done focused on not just expanding my breadth of products, but really my breadth of products within each supplier mm-hmm. so that I can become a big fish to them. I can kind of dictate my own terms. And by the way, when I'm doing that, my cost per unit to get from point A to point B, from China to here, or from my supplier in the U.S. to Amazon, whatever it is, that goes down drastically. And that, all, that, all that savings is money in my pocket. Yeah, that makes uh, a whole lot of sense. But I see two, two challenges here. One is capital to, to expand the range. And um, the other is stock, you know, um, dead stock. Just stock that um, you know you'd, you'd have winners in many instances, and you will have losers. And um, you know, depending on on how you you play it, it might affect margins. You know, you know, from your projection. So, or what would you suggest to listeners? Um, you know, just who have that thought in their mind? Okay, they want to expand, but they're limited with capital. They don't want um, too much stock lying around. And um, they want to be on top of their numbers in regards to um, to, to the profit margin. Sure. Well, um, there's a couple different things. One, you definitely have to grow into it. Um, I will not lie that capital is an important. I mean, we're in a we're in a capitalist market. Mm-hmm. Um, capital capital is definitely important. And so, if you're starting with five hundred dollars, it's going to be a long grind to get to a million dollars. That being said. None of our sales happen overnight. I mean, it happened over months and then years, I would say. So, so I mean, there's that aspect as far as just growing into where you can handle that much, um, that much capital and, and that, that sort of thing. From a stock standpoint, part of it is the, the things I tell people who are starting off is one, sell what you know. Not only does it make it easier to work with suppliers where you can kind of more quickly kind of scan through what makes sense, what is new and exciting and what is kind of silly and a waste of money, but also you're able to buy just a little bit more smartly. You know that, you know, I should be buying a little more blue than I should be buying red and not just the same quantity all the way across because you know that market somewhat well. The other thing is the stuff that I started off selling were items that were already being sold by other sellers on Amazon. So I can tell by the number of reviews or other things that those things sell. So I start with the supplier's top selling items and then expand from there. I don't just, not everything that I sell is necessarily private label. If it's that kind of thing, it is definitely more of a risk. So mm-hmm. um, you do have a chance of getting kind of dead stock more with those, but that's why you have to be buying right so that if you need to liquidate, you need to liquidate, you can in a in a, in a fashion that doesn't leave you in a disastrous situation where you lost 90% of your capital. If things don't work out, but you can still re- retain 80% of you know, the capital you invested, then you, know, you can live to fight another day. So I know I touched on a lot of topics there, but that, that, I mean, that's kind of the I, thought process. Yeah, I, I, kind of, I, I, I kind of understand. We're, we were actually, I, was, I was actually going to get you on the show to talk about liquidation um, just due to the size of your company. But I looked at your, your revenue. I said, wait, hang on a minute. Um, hmm. I think the, the listeners would, would be more appreciative if we talked about growth. So perhaps um, you know some other time in the future we could um, possibly you know schedule another call in for um, how to handle liquidation. Um, so let's let's go back and let's let's still go back to the sourcing um, from from your suppliers. Um, so would you just um, go all out in to purchase you know um, large quantities or do you kind of test um, just like almost have sample orders you know come in in, in their tens or in the low hundreds? And then when you start to see the performance on, on, on Amazon, you start to, to, to kind of, um, you know, scale, scale out and, you know, reorder more. And, um, if you do that, um, what kind of delays, um, from a shipping standpoint, um, do you sort of, um, make plans for how, how do you sort of work out lead times? If you see, okay, you, you might be running out of stock of, on a, on a high performance, um, you know, item. So, um, let me actually, actually kind of kill two birds with one stone with mm-hmm. your liquidation and your kind of new product uh, search methodology because honestly, the, the key 
thing that I use or I, I used uh, early on especially, and I'll give it an, uh, an exact, a real-life example mm-hmm. of what I was doing um, is how well I was able to liquidate stuff. So my first major product that I still continue to sell and I've sold millions of dollars worth and um, continue to offer are ping pong paddles. Okay. All right. I'm not a ping pong aficionado. I don't know it really well, so it's not like I have some real passion for it. But at the end of the day, a ping pong paddle is a piece of wood, mm-hmm. a piece of foam, and a piece of rubber. And there are ping pong paddles regularly. If you search ping pong paddle on Amazon, you'll see them anywhere from $120 and um, many, many in the $50, $60, $80 range. Now, if you think about that, there's there's a whole methodology of why that price is actually reasonable, but I won't get into that now. Um, The long story short is a piece of wood, a piece of rubber, and a piece of foam is not going to cost any more from China than maybe $1.50 a piece. Mm -hmm. So what I can do is I can buy them for $1.50 and sell them potentially for uh, you know, a discount or a low price at forty nine ninety nine. That's ridiculous. The, the beautiful thing about the, the of that particular item mm-hmm. is that I knew that, and this is when my first big investment was probably buying about twenty five hundred paddles mm. at at a dollar fifty a piece. It was only with shipping and inbound freight and all that kind of stuff. It was less than five thousand dollars. So I mean, it it wasn't chump change, but five thousand dollars is not you know obscene. So a lot of people no. can gather gather that together. And with 2,500 units, I mean, you're, that's, you wouldn't necessarily have to buy that much. But my point being is I knew that if I had 2,500 paddles landed here at an average price point of $2 a piece, there is no way I couldn't liquidate them for $4.99 a piece or mm. you know, $5.99 a piece. Mm. In the United States, you can ship a paddle, which is about eight ounces, first class mail, anywhere in the country for a three-day service for less than three dollars, mm-hmm. so if I'm two dollars in and three dollars shipping, even if I had to fill it myself versus using fulfillment by Amazon, which can do it for around the same price, I'm at a five dollar a piece. You know, I just have to get to five dollars, and then I break even. Mm-hmm. Anything above that, I'm making money. And even if I had to sell them for ninety nine cents a piece and only take in four dollars, or I'm sorry, for like three ninety nine a piece and lose a dollar per unit, I'm still holding on to a big chunk of my of you know of my capital, and so with, with the liquidation thing, you can go big if you're smart about it. Mm. Products that don't make sense are a electronics. If you get a big junky thing, if a if a watch doesn't work, it just doesn't work, mm-hmm. and it's it's literally worthless. Where a ping pong paddle, if I send that to a customer, they open it up, even if they don't like it for whatever reason, it's still a ping pong paddle. No, no one can deny that it is rubber foam and wood and that it doesn't hit a ping pong ball when you know, in contact with it. And so it's that kind of methodology that you can use where you don't chase the big fish, you don't chase the million-dollar product at the get-go. You chase stuff that you, you almost certainly can at least break even on, and if you make money, that's a bonus. And that's a way of starting off to preserve your capital you know, as I, I don't know the exact terminology, but the best way that, you know, a guy like Warren Buffett says, the best way to make money is to never lose money. Mm. And if you never lose money, then all you can do is make money. And so that's the way of kind of growing into that thing. Okay. So that, that leads me on to, to a question. Uh, and uh, the question really also connects to another point you made earlier, which is you said you'd um, you you'd look at competitors and look at their fastest growing or, or their fastest sellers, and how. So the the question I have is how do you find these opportunities? This is you know five dollar cost um, landed perhaps. How do you find? And then you're selling almost ten times um, the price at you know um, forty five or um, fifty dollars. So so how do you find these opportunities? You know um, on Amazon. And and then eventually lead that that then leads to to sourcing um, the items from China or manufacturers in the USA. So I guess maybe I I maybe kind of misspoke or got ahead of myself. I guess I do everything backwards from what most people do. Most people go on Amazon and search for the best selling products and then try to source something similar to it and then resell it. I do the total opposite. I stick with stuff that I generally know, and then I go to Alibaba first and try to find really good deals on stuff, and then go see if someone's offering it on Amazon. Or I search through people's catalogs. I have them, you know, quote me a certain thing, but have them actually send me their entire catalog, which may not be an Alibaba or 
global sources and see if there's anything new and interesting that I like. And then I try to figure out a way of selling it on Amazon. So I go to the supplier first and worry about the sales on Amazon later and don't let the sales on Amazon drive the sourcing. I know it's kind of backward for most people, but it, it works out for me because especially if you're private labeling, getting trying to enter intentionally a very, very competitive field doesn't make sense to me. I'd rather go in and find a really good supplier, find a supplier that I can grow within to expand my catalog and grow by expanding the number of SKUs rather than finding one thing, that, that, that one basket that I'm going to put all my eggs in and then you know, hope that that works out. It sets you up for failure you know, more often than it sets you up for success. Well, that, makes, that makes sense. You're flipping it in its head from what gathered from what you just said. You spend more time on on Alibaba and on um, the supply side, and um, do you kind of bring new items to the market? Do you, do you want to sort of lead the market and you know kind of nudge people away from top selling products? So, say um, I sold widget A, and um, you sourced widget B, which does pretty much the same thing as widget B uh, as widget A. But do you try and, you know, sway people away from widget A to widget B on Amazon once you sourced widget B from, um, from, from Alibaba? Sort of, yeah. I mean, I try to take an item and kind of twist it or pivot it to something brand new. And that's the only way to get pricing power. If there's another competitor out there that's just, you know, a different color or, you know, a slightly different shape or something like that, you know, then people can very easily, are, they're smart enough to directly compare the two prices and the values and then you're beholden to them. Where if you have a unique item, it's, it's a totally different story and it doesn't really have to be, you know, uh, extremely unique to kind of uh, fake a phrase um, that doesn't make sense. But um, if it's truly unique, then you have real pricing power. The other thing that I should add is, you know, a lot of my sales, not to misrepresent myself, are, you know, not always private label. They're existing products. And what I'll do is I will sell the existing products from a legitimate or, you know, uh, experienced or, you know, whatever term we want to use, a supplier. And then based on what I sell of theirs, I will go and private label my own version of a similar product that they have. And so it's a way of kind of doing it so that when you search a certain keyword for my product, not only am I selling the top brand that's been selling for a long time, but I'm also selling the private label brand that I'm offering. And I have all 10 of the 10 results that show up on Amazon. So if you're going to buy in the first page, you're buying it from me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That just um, reduces the odds. Okay, that makes massive sense. It makes a lot of sense. So you you um you fight for the buy box um for for the generic listings for you know where, where there are other you know suppliers and then you also own your brand and and then that's how you control you know a lot of the positions on 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 search results. Okay, that that makes a lot of sense. So how many how many products do you currently sell on on Amazon? How, when you open up your your, your Amazon Seller Central account, um, how many products um are, are how many SKUs are listed on there? Um, several thousand. <laughs> um, it's it's a nightmare, but it's it's I don't even know what it is. But we'll probably be selling. I've I'm hiring two people in the next week to basically help expand my catalog, and I expect to expand. Ten thousand more products in the next month. Okay, so this is that you're going in, you're going right in. <laughs> yes, yes, okay. I am. All right. Not okay. all of those will sell, by the way. Yeah, I've been expanding them um, because I I take on a, a I offer a manufacturer's entire line. It's a total long tail approach, hmm. and so um, I'm more than happy. Many many items I sell sell once every three months, and if I have an item that sells five times a day. It's a very good item for me. I mean, a couple things that I want to make clear is this approach is especially important that you sell relatively high ticket items. My average um, high ticket, my average item is a hundred dollars, hundred U.S. dollars. Your average and order so value I, is a hundred U.S. dollars. Correct, that, correct, that is, and that's that's okay. per item, not not per sale. So my per sale is more significant than that, and I do have a lot of inexpensive items that bring that down. Many, many items I sell are thousands of dollars per unit. And so that helps, you know, 
helps make it more manageable. I'm not, I'm not managing several thousand products that sell several hundred units per day. I'm doing several thousand products that, you know, total, I might sell only, you know, two or 300 units per day total, okay. but that equates to, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. Okay. Okay. Let's, let's get to, let's dig a little deeper here. So 2015 revenues, you're expecting revenues about $8 million. If you then look at the stock you have in your warehouse, how much stock do you have as compared to $8 million? Um, I have about two months of inventory, which means I have about $1.6 million. So two months of inventory seems like I'm actually turning it pretty quickly. $1.6 million means I seem like a crazy man. So that's kind of where I'm at. And that's where I, where I mentioned, you know, capital is important. I mean, at some point, if you want to grow, you have to have the money to be able to make it grow. And I mean, hopefully you can grow into it. And we've been fortunate enough to be able to do that. But I mean, there's there's a lot of money I have sitting at Amazon. And I'm paying a lot of storage fees. So I mean, it's it's not all uh, sunshine and roses, but I mean, we're making it work. No, no doubt. But the thing is, it's strategy first. You know, um, you, you, you can give many human beings 350000 and they would not turn it to, to 1.5 million. Neither would you. Can you give 1.5 million to you know to several other human beings, and they'll turn it to to eight million? So you've done a really good job here in three years. So I wanted to ask um, more or less about your strategy going forward. Before this call, you we talked about um, the fact that you um, have started to you're, you're consider you're moving into selling directly to Amazon. Um, how does that compare to the retail play within Amazon? And what kind of items um, did Amazon approach you first? Or did you sort of um, go through a program to, to get onto Amazon? Um, so um, Amazon did contact me to sell a certain brand of mine. That's typically how they identify products by brand. So if you have if you're a really, really good seller and you sell a lot on Amazon, but you have them under 30 different brands because they're totally unrelated products, that's great. But Amazon doesn't identify that as a cohesive brand. If you have all your products under one brand and you sell a lot, then they may contact you. And it takes, if not hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars of sales to for them to contact you. However, you can go to, and this is a new, this is within the last few months, you can go to vendorcentral.amazon.com and basically apply to be able to sell to Amazon. Okay. And so that's relatively new. Before it was invitation only, and now they've opened it up where you can apply. And I don't know who, I don't know enough people to give you an idea of how much you need to sell for them to take you on. But the whole point of that is, Let's talk about the buy box. The buy box is it's a key to sales. You know, still ninety percent of sales go through the buy box, mm-hmm. or ninety percent plus go through the buy box. And of course, Amazon gives themselves the leg up um, as far as winning the buy box when they're selling the, the, their own items. And so, the natural thing to do is to, if you are able to. And it's not the be all end all, so don't don't get discouraged. But if you have the opportunity for certain items in competitive industries, is to sell items specifically to Amazon. So not only do they promote it on Amazon, but they promote it on on the internet at large, and then they um, also win the buy box a bunch of times. And so there's a big advantage if you want to move products in the competitive industry. If you sell iPod cases you need to be selling to Amazon in order to make that work. But if you sell something very, very odd, then you're probably fine. You can win the buy box or you can show up well in search rankings without selling to Amazon. But for some products, I need to be selling to Amazon to make it work. And for other products, it's less important. So there is that, you know, it's it's not the be-all, end-all, but for me and for certain products, it just makes a lot of sense. I see, I see. So I guess the takeaway for the audience really is um, build a range of um, products and, you know, stack them onto a brand in a market that's um, almost flippable in a sense that's, you know, packaged in, as a business, which you could um, then, you know, um, wholesale to, to Amazon to, 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 to do all of the legwork, really. Absolutely, and if you yeah. get to that point, you haven't made in the shade, trust me, because Amazon is an awesome 
company to deal with. Okay. They are like every big box retailer without all the chargebacks and annoying procedures. I mean, they have their own kind of neuroses, for lack of a better term, but they are really awesome. I have a real person to talk to when I need to, and I have automation when I don't need to talk to a real person. So they're really, really friendly in terms of that. And it just depends on your products. I mean, I don't offer them every single product I sell, not even close, but ones where they can be um, helpful to me because they can win or they can get my items to show up better in search rankings when keywords are very competitive. I sell to them. When it's something obscure that I can control on my own, I don't sell to them. And that's kind of the long and short. So I get the best of both worlds. Okay. And um, there's that predictability where you know for sure there's a minimum order coming from one customer, which is Amazon, you know, on a monthly basis, not just, you know, from a forecast, your accountant must be very happy. Your financial director must be very, very happy um, with regards to, to the forecast um, and the insights you can have from there, from having them as a customer. Okay. I wanted to, I'm going to take a step, a few steps back and um, talk more about um, cash and um, more or less capital. Is Has your growth, you said you started in 2005, has it all, all been self sort of um, financed or through or did you need to get external capital to fuel this growth? So um, the company I started in 2005 is a separate entity than the one that I do most of my sales with now. Okay. So the one that was completely self-capitalized and it probably, I had an initial investment of maybe 1200 bucks, $1,200 that had sales as high as like $300,000 uh, um, recently. So, I mean, it's respectable for mm-hmm. sure. And the margins are were insane. So, I mean, we were making good money. This other company that does millions of dollars, I have outside backing. There's just no way to for me to realistically maintain $1.6 million in, in capital. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be prudent. I don't even know if it would be feasible. Basically, it would restrict my growth. And so by bringing outside capital, just like any any outside capital, it's not meant to just give up ownership willy-nilly to have a cash, you know, have a big payday. The idea was to basically be able to expand much quicker. And so when I talk about adding 10,000 products in the next month, it is realistic. I have the capital to be able to do that. Without it, I wouldn't be able to grow as fast. Could I still grow to this point? Absolutely. But we would be talking right now, Kun Lay in two thousand, you know, nineteen and not right now. And so yeah. it's yeah. it's a it's a back and forth. Not everybody is trying you don't need to make fourteen million dollars in sales to be able to make a decent living. So um again, when I talk to people who are starting off or even very successful people that are, are selling on Amazon, mm-hmm. um, it's all about identifying your goals and where you're trying to get to. If you're trying to make a, a really good living where you are, you know, living high in the hog by all means and putting in a limited number of hours, you still don't need to sell millions and millions of dollars. You could sell a million dollars with a halfway decent margin and be killing it, trust me. But I'm we're trying to go get beyond that at this point. Okay. Okay. And um did is the capital equity or is it debt? Equity. Okay. Equity. All right. Okay. And um are they I sold my soul. You sold your soul. Okay, fair yes, enough. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um with do they have a say in, in your decisions or do you pretty much still have a say in um, the the more or less um ghost investors? They are very, very hands off. Um okay, I do good. run every time I place like a quarter million or five hundred thousand dollar order, I mm-hmm. give them a heads up out of courtesy, but I've never had them you know, give more than a shrug and say, well, whatever you say. So I include them. It, they would be even more ghost-like if I, uh, if I didn't have, you know, the, the common courtesy to say, I'm going to spend a half million dollars of your money just so you know. <laughs> Fair enough. So everything is driven by you in terms of communication. Okay, right. Now, um, tracking back to what you said, you just made a very, very important point, which is in regards to the listeners, the audience, Um, their situation would be, most likely different from from yours others may have a similar situation where they they can get finances so what you've just said 
as gold to to those listeners but for other listeners who do not necessarily have sources of funding and um, they have a million dollars revenue in their mind what steps from a capital standpoint will you suggest as an expert who's who's doing eight million dollars now and um not only that um from a process standpoint how much would they need to start and how how would they need to get there and how long would they need so the more capital you can muster the better off you are but let's get back to the kind of liquidation point that i talked about earlier you're going to have you're going to have home runs and you're going to have swings and misses mm-hmm. and the key is to preserve your capital so limit your losses and take advantage of your gains. And it seems obvious, but the key thing to emphasize is limit your losses. Mm. If you only have $2,000 to invest in inventory and things like that, it is that much more crucial that you are prudent about taking care of your inventory or your capital. I mean, me, I can spend $500,000 and if we run into a big issue, we'll just move on to the next thing. It's not that big a deal. Mm -hmm. But most people are not in that kind of situation. And if you only have $2,000, you need to be very prudent about how you handle that. So quit. Or I shouldn't say, I feel like I'm scolding. I'm sorry. I, I, I just hear too much of this. Um, do not try to chase the home runs. Chase what will make you money for sure. Or in, in any realistic case, will make you money. And do that and go from 2000 to 3000 Go from three thousand to five thousand, five thousand to six thousand, five thousand or six thousand to eight thousand. Do that because you need the capital. Eventually, you'll have capital where you can risk it. But just like the stock market or anything like that, you need to be able to deal with risk capital and the the and and you know I'm not going to tell you to try to you know pull an Icarus and fly too close to the sun. It's mm-hmm. not worth it until you can afford to do that. Do not do that. So. I don't know. I feel like I'm admonishing at this point. Am I, am I, my tone is a little severe, Kunle? No, not at all. Not at all. This is hard talk for people. Okay, ambitious, good, ambitious good. retailers really looking to grow. So, you know, if they need the talk, they need to be talked down and they have to. Anyway, question. My, my question is, um, has to do with the pace, uh, right? Um, so two to three thousand, three to thirty thousand, you know, or ten thousand. How can they rinse their capital? to to if, if that's um, a metaphor but how how can they sort of put their, their capital to work what what kind of should i say the velocity um would they need to to put in um first of all let's start out with capital what's a decent bit of capital if someone wants to so build you know one million dollar company through amazon in 12 months or 18 months um how much capital would you suggest if it was you what would you need to start today so you, you had nothing and you want to get to well say you how much cash would you need today to grow um a, a one million dollar amazon business in the next 18 months let me do some quick math here um because my goal so I'll, I'll walk you through my my process here okay i want to turn inventory mm-hmm. once every two months mm-hmm. and i want to make 20 percent profit margin on each one and that's minimum if i can make 30 or 40 which is very doable i would do that but i have to make 20 percent, and that includes you know returns defects things like that Flying so clearing and all that kind of stuff yeah so i mean if if i had let me just see here to do it in 18 months i would probably need like 200 grand Fair um to go to get to a million in sales Realistically, it's going to take if you. But if he gave me, if he gave me, you know, twenty four months, he gave me uh, thirty months, thirty six months. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, we're dropping drastically. We're dropping to all right, uh, twenty grand. Uh, you know, a- after thirty six months, or fifty grand for thirty months. And you know, you can if you can expand out from there. You don't have to. Um, you may not be able to just like any kind of startup. You're probably not going to blow up right away. Um, but if you do grow steadily, you grow smartly, and you don't lose money mm-hmm. on your items, or you lose very, very little, mm-hmm. that's that's the whole key. And I and I can get into, again, that's where I get into. You know, there's a lot. Once you grow to a certain point, um, one of the things that the growth is not always linear. Linear. Mm-hmm. Um, once you grow with a certain supplier, not only might you get better pricing, but you also might get into um, 
where your logistics are better. So the money you're actually putting in your pocket grows just because you place you bought two thousand units instead of one thousand units. Yeah. And you know it's all the same to you. It's you know two, four months of inventory versus two months of inventory, but you're able to save ten percent on that. And now that you know that all goes in your pocket, and that yeah. that's that's the kind of stuff that um, you really want to kind of leverage. It's it's the it's the common sense stuff. Mm-hmm. Makes a, a, a lot of sense. Okay, um, let's talk about how not to lose money on in, in Amazon because you, you can, that, that's been a recurring th- theme um, in in you know in your last um, three answers. Mm-hmm. Don't lose money. So, what tips? You know, if, if they're just you know actionable one, two, three point tips, um, do you have um, to listeners looking who run Amazon stores or looking to to run Amazon stores not to lose money? Okay, the first one is do not overlook domestic suppliers. And I don't, I don't care if that's Amazon.uk or Amazon.com. Okay. Those, those companies, you want to look for companies that, that you can eventually become a big fish with. And those are companies between probably like $2 million and $20 million in revenue. Okay. If you come in there, and even at a company at $20 million, if you come in with a $10,000 stocking order or a $5,000 stocking order because you've seen that items of theirs are selling, no one's prime, you get their price list by, you know, kind of uh, asking them in a kind of a, you know, big, you know, with uh, carry a big stick way and you see that there's big margin there, if you take a $5,000 order, there's a, at, at a $20 million company, they are going to, you know, bow down and, and uh, fan you with palm leaves. I mean, there's a lot of salespeople that would love that. Mm-hmm. And so they're not going to ask questions about how you're selling anything like that. And they'll get, they're going to give you a really good price. And don't, look, don't overlook that because there's no customs baloney. There's no you know, shipping across the ocean baloney. There's no air freight from Taiwan. I mean, all of a sudden it can be very, very simple to make you know, a 20% return. And it's, you know, it, it's, it's honestly so easy that it seems, you know, like you're, like you're, like it's malfeasance or something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had a supplier recently that I just bought 96 units or 96, um, yeah, 96 units of theirs at $85 a piece. To test it out, they made me commit to three units at $130 a piece, but they gave me one unit free. So my average price was like $90 per unit. And I sent it to Amazon. All three units sold in the first few days, and I just ordered ninety six more. And I mean, my total capital outlay was two hundred and seventy dollars. And now I'm going to be able. I expect to make. Um, by the way, these units that I'm buying for eighty five dollars a piece sell for two hundred twenty nine dollars a piece. And so I expect to make over a hundred dollars unit. I'll make ten grand probably in the first month mm-hmm. of these units. And I had to spend two hundred and seventy dollars to be able to test that theory. I mean, it's it's there. There are opportunities out there, and it's all domestic suppliers. Okay, um, what are your thoughts on this? Is paranoid Kunle speaking now? Amazon <laughs> is, is doing lots of um, private lab, lab, labeling themselves. Um, what are your thoughts on um, the fact that they own all the data? They're like house and in the context of a casino, and um, them, you know, kind of, um, well, for well, cannibalizing on um, on stuff, you know, retailers are uh, currently private labeling. Is is that a, an op- option, or do you think they're just trying to build a, a platform more or less rather than being a product, you know, company? So I think to offer in in quantity all the products that they offer, it would take such. A substantial amount of capital that it's just unrealistic. I mean, it would take the GDP of the entire world 100 years over to be able to offer in stock, you know, the millions and millions of products that they offer. And plus the logistical nightmare of actually trying to do that. You know, 20 years from now, yes. Are you better off being either a manufacturer, aka private label person, aka brand owner? Yes. That's what's going to be key being a private label owner, the brand owner. And, you know, these kind of kind of what I'm doing now with some of my, um, you know, U.S. domestic distributors, Mm -hmm. that's got a shelf life. I'm well aware that certain brands are going to turn over and they're going to start selling directly to Amazon or Amazon might take them over. I think that that 
That's a long way off, though. Mm -hmm. For now, don't worry about that happening in the next 18 months. There's just way too much going on. And with Amazon's focus on Amazon Web Services and all these other expansions of business, I mean, they're more than happy to let the marketplace be the cash cow for all these other things. And, you know, before you know it, they're in driverless cars, too, or they're in music, and, you know, you don't have to worry about it. So, I, you know, it's they're not going to kill the golden goose prematurely. And if they do, you hopefully have made enough money where it's no longer an issue or have your own brand where now Amazon's begging you to be able to sell your private label brand to them um, because now they do that for everybody. And, you know, you've got a, you, you, you've got the, the, the chips in, in on your side. Um, speaking of Amazon, you know, doing several things, um, Jeff Bezos just joined Twitter and um, his first tweet was um, about um, the – I think a rocket, the the Blue Origin rocket landing, it was finally successful. They, they, yeah, they, they, they go into every single thing imaginable. Okay, now let's talk about um, you, what you're looking to to get out of Amazon eventually. What's 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 the the game? What's is is there an exit um, ahead? Are you just um, taking profit now? Are they have have, have you sort of broken even? I know you're profitable or not, but what's, what are you trying to, what's the objective, you know, um, from you going all in now really aggressively, um, with capital from, from, from Amazon? Um, so very, very soon. So for 2016, we will be cash flow positive. We'll, we'll have turned enough inventory Mm -hmm. where we are, we are, we're taking in more cash than we're, we're putting out and finally you know our inventory isn't going to be growing as substantially as our sales are and that's partly with the selling to amazon so i mean i won't focus too much on that because it's not relevant to a lot of viewers or a lot of a lot of your audience Mm -hmm. but you know personally that's that's where we're trying to go i would say from the selling on amazon standpoint our main thing is to just ride the wave of amazon i think we are just, we're not at the crest. I mean, we still have a long ways to go where there's going to be millions and millions of prime users added, millions and millions of new markets added. They'll probably integrate that, you know, where just like they've, they, they make it very easy for good sellers to be able to, you know, they'll, they'll do all the work basically to put you, take all your inventory and put it onto Amazon.ca or Amazon.mx or, mm-hmm. you know, eventually Amazon UK. And so I'm not, ready to sort of um, cash out on Amazon, so to speak. I expect several more years of growth that is attributable a lot to Amazon's growth in general. Mm-hmm. And then once we get to that point, you know, we'll see what, what happens. Maybe I can dump this whole thing on some schmuck somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm on the same, absolutely on the same page with you. I think we've got at least a decade ahead of us um, with, with Amazon, with Amazon's dominance in, in retail um, in, in general, and especially um, in not just the States, but, but in Europe. Um, you, I've spoken to Germans mm-hmm. and Amazon is the fastest growing online um, business in, in Germany at the moment. Um, People think UK is the biggest market in Europe. It's actually Germany. Sure. Germany. So, yeah, there, there is a lot of scope. Okay, let's finally talk about rules. Do you sort of have certain rules with regards to, like, the weights, the kind of products you would – I know you, you, you touch base on um, electronics, um, the fact that um, when they break down – they break down, they're dead. And also the fact that, you know, technology changes almost every six months, right? And if, you know, you have something lying in your new warehouse for six months, it's, you know, and, you know, it might not necessarily be relevant to, to the market because, um, you know, new, new technologies um, have, you know, eclipsed it. So do you have any sort of rules for the audience um, as to what to touch and what not to touch? And more or less, also kind of like size um you know, when you listen to to other podcasts and um you you read some so-called you know gurus they they have some rules with regards to dimensions and weight um of um, the kind of products they sell you know on amazon so so what kind of um what, what's your philosophy what, what kind of approach do you take um you know running um, a business at this scale on um, the kind of products you you stock in in your store so if people don't know it, let me ask your let me answer your first question or second question first. Um, the the key measure for Amazon is eighteen by fourteen 
by eight. If an item, any one of those dimensions, their largest dimension is over 18, their middle dimension is over 14, or so not and or not, it's not volume based, mm-hmm. um, or the smallest dimension is over nine, your item becomes oversized versus standard. Right. That is a, that is a key um, thing to consider when you're offering product because all of a sudden the pick and pack fees goes from a dollar to four dollars, especially if you're in a low, mm-hmm. you know, a low revenue thing where you're selling something for nineteen ninety nine instead of one hundred ninety nine ninety nine. Mm-hmm. That becomes a big factor. So make sure you stay under that um, because it just to help you guys visualize it. There are totes going around Amazon's fulfillment centers that are all automated and they can fit an eighteen by fourteen by eight high package. So if it doesn't fit in there, it won't work. And so that's why they pick those, you know, dimensions. So, so, so that's I, one one rule. Um, that's one rule. Um, the other rules, the other rules are: stick with what you know. You're going to be able to just search that much more efficiently. If it, all it is is searching Alibaba or global sources more efficiently, there's your time is better used there. I mean, remember, you only have a limited number of hours in the day, especially mm-hmm. if you're doing this as an add-on to what else you might do for a living. So. Pick, stick with what you know. Stick with items. Consider the, you know, do a scenario analysis. So for those that don't know, scenario analysis is where you take like your best case, realistic case, and worst case scenario of what you sell it for and use an FBA calculator, Google FBA calculator, and figure out what all your related costs are and where they would be at different things, your fulfillment costs, all that kind of stuff. What's the worst case? medium case and best case. If your worst case is that you spend $2,000 and you end up with $1,800, that's a winner because you cannot realistically lose or lose much. Don't chase those things where your best case is, well, I sell these things for $50 and they only cost me two. I mean, that happens, but it's very, very uncommon. Mm-hmm. So make sure that um, you're taking account of that um, and you're being very conservative with how you're doing that. And then Try going with the suppliers. I wasn't able to emphasize this very much in the interview, okay. but take a supplier instead of going with whoever's the lowest price for whatever widget you're looking for. Find someone that has a good price for that widget and then see what you can grow within that supplier because expand your catalog is the key to sales. Otherwise, you're, you're, you're risking your entire business on one or two or five products. And if those things get eaten up by other people, you're in a rough rough spot. If you can diversify over hundreds of products, let those five get taken up by someone else where your margin is you know, not very good anymore. You still have 95 that you're making money on. And so when you look at other, peop- other suppliers, don't just choose the best, the, the best for that product. Find something you can grow into. Let me quick give it an example. So let's say you're going to sell baby bottles. Mm-hmm. Now there's a baby bottle manufacturer you're looking at that sells other baby products. They sell bibs, they sell car seats, they sell that kind of stuff. You find a baby bottle manufacturer that sells all sorts of different kind of bottles. They sell, you know, 20 ounce bottles, one liter bottles, two liter bottles, gallon bottles. And then you see a, you know, uh, a baby bottle manufacturer that also sells different kinds of products that are purely plastic, what have you. And it's totally unrelated to any kind of specific industry, but it's all, you know, um, you know, uh, organic plastics or something like that. You have to pick which one of those three you want to grow into. And there's not a wrong answer, but you want to be able to be able to eventually offer a bunch of the things in their catalog because mm-hmm. the best way to lower your price on those baby bottles is to buy a bunch of other products from them that you can not only logistically ship, cheap, ship cheaper because you're not shipping by air anymore, you're shipping by sea freight or you're shipping by, and not just sea freight, but by container load, mm-hmm. but also um, you're growing by you know being able to be a significant customer of them. You're not placing, um, I mean, when people ask for a minimum order quantity of 1,000 units, what they're really asking you is not, I want a thousand units to make this work. I want eight thousand dollars at eight dollars right. a piece. So it's very easy to try out different products and say, Hey, listen, I'm going to buy your thousand bottles again because I've already sold those and they're really well. And by the way, while you're doing that, throw on twenty of these and five of these and eight of these onto my shipment. And when you do that, all of a sudden you're able to test out at a very very low cost per unit. 
three other products that you normally wouldn't sell. And if one of those three is a winner, now next time you're ordering 1,000 okay. of the bottles and 500 of something else. Okay. Okay. So you, you approach them with a head, sort of like a core deal, which meets the MOQ or the, the minimum order quantity. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of look through there. Um, you almost get sample you know, samples from, from them kind of, um, but you pay for them obviously and um, you expand your offering basically and it, whatever becomes a winner, you just go for it eventually. I think what you said with regards to expanding your product is the key to sales and scaling is is how we'll wrap it up. <laughs> but before we, we, we wrap up, um, let's um, talk about um, tools. Um, I know it's it's really down to all what you said with regards to the fundamentals, you know, um, your approach to capital, your approach to growth, your approach to um, suppliers and, um, you know, sourcing. But beyond that, what tools um, do you recommend um, or do you as a um, as an Amazon seller, I know at your scale, you'd use a different set of tool, um, tools because, um, you know, you've got thousands and thousands. But, you know, what tools do you, would you recommend um, to be in the arsenal of, um, of any um, Amazon seller? So um, let me give you several. <laughs> um, so the, the bigger you are, the more tools you need because mm-hmm. there's only so much you can do. And you, it's much more justifiable to spend X number of dollars per month because you you have that kind of scale. Mm-hmm. So for feedback, I use Feedback 5. Okay. And um, for um, and that helps with winning the buy box and just helping legitimize, legitimize your products and you as a seller. Mm-hmm. Um, from that same company, I also use Restock Pro, which helps me keep track of my inventory. Mm-hmm. And and helps me reorder from my multitude of suppliers. Mm-hmm. Kind of notifies me when I need to. I use Feedvisor, which is a very expensive but very nice repricing tool. Mm-hmm. Repricer, or excuse me, um, App Eagle. I used to use, and for unless you're selling millions, and millions of dollars, App Eagle is a good, a very good choice. I had Feedvisor um, on the show um, in the early days. Um, they're super yeah. smart yeah. and they're awesome. Yeah. But it's they're just expensive. So yeah. if they were less expensive, I would say if you don't go Feedvisor, you're a fool. But um, they're expensive and they they deserve it. Um, other than that, the only other thing that I can talk about is just to 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 go with um, different experts. And so um, there's a bunch of different um, platforms out there. There's Facebook groups mm-hmm. that I know you are looking at doing, which can be really really resourceful, and they're inexpensive aka free mm-hmm. so that's definitely a very very good way to go um i've seen pay ones before my brother used to operate one they they, they can be great and they can help if you're at the level where you're selling you know ten thousand dollars a month or something like that so mm-hmm. you can really get into some nitty-gritty otherwise um the only other one that i'm directly involved with is amzhelp.com amzhelp.com mm-hmm. the long and short is for five hundred dollars a month which i know is not inexpensive but you get access to several different experts and you get your questions only answered by experts and by doing that um, we can take you from the very 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 beginning all the way through and can handle logistical questions not just Amazon questions but business questions Mm -hmm. and you've got a lot of um, sources with that so I'm very biased I'm involved directly with that and I'm one of the experts that you might talk to Mm -hmm. but it can be very, very useful when from from for a wide range of people, from people well, at em- enterprise to just starting off. Well, well, the proof is in the pudding. Um, you know, if if people have stuck to to this point, we've been speaking for an hour now. Um, they, <laughs> right. You know, they, they they will know um, your expertise. They you know, you've already proved your expertise. And with regards to AMZ help, um, what kind of um, Amazon entrepreneurs are you looking to to get on board? Um, starters or people who started already? And, um, you know, a certain point of um, revenue. And could you just shed some more light as to the, the kind of, um, you know, um, retailers you're, you're seeking to, to, to join your, your site? So, um, amzhelp.com. Sure. Um, the, the main, I mean, we, we'll, we'll take all kinds. We're, we're, okay. th- we're there to help because, I mean, we have gone from, not having the first clue about Amazon to being very, very big experts. I think you get the most value out of 
having an account and selling your first products mm-hmm. or, or getting ready to sell your first products because we can help all the way through from working with suppliers mm-hmm. all the way to logistics, getting it from point A to point B, from you know China to here or what have you, mm-hmm. working with existing suppliers. Plus, we can help with a lot of kind of tips and tricks. It's a 100% um, white hat for people that don't know that it's you know above board. I guess to use another term that might confuse people, but um, hopefully that translates. It's all good guy stuff that we use to sell products. So we don't do anything. A lot of the programs out there we've found are short term. They are um, they take advantage of manipulation of Amazon rather than just having sound business principles. So that's what we emphasize. And hopefully through um, this pod- podcast, you've heard that I try to emphasize, you know sound business principles that are twisted or fitted um, or fit specifically with Amazon and not some kind of kind of tricks or hacks for lack of a better term yeah absolutely to solve problems. because what we've pretty much talked about for pretty much 80% of this um, conversation has been on business fundamentals really um, you know stock in numbers rules and um, yeah I, I agree with you 100% there okay um so so it's so is this is so is amzhelp.com more like a mastermind um group or you're you're like you're like coaches really or um advisors for to to, to anybody to, who's looking to you know um build or grow their amazon stores so um yeah more more like coaches or consultants okay. i you know you've had um my brother will churnland on um your your show before That's and amazing. you know from uh he charges an absurd amount um, um, per hour to just talk to him and get his advice. And it's, I'm not saying it's not well worth it, but it's an absurd amount. You could spend um, for a one hour phone conversation, you can can a month of unlimited email at amzhelp.com to be able to answer questions. It's a guaranteed response within 48 hours. And it's, it's, it's a really, really good service because everything's above board and what ends up happening is you hire someone like Will or you hire someone like me who's less expensive than Will and um, I answer your questions. You, t- you, you, you come away from the phone call or the meeting really, really excited, but then you, once you're in it, you, you, you go, oh, wait, what was that thing he said? Or wait, wait, how do I get to that page? And you feel like you want to a- ask a dumb question, but at the rate that we charge, it's just cost prohibitive. I mean, you'd be a fool to spend that money again. So what do you do? Fortunately, with AMZ help, you can get that really, really good coaching. And then when you're stuck at this one point, you say, wait, wait, explain this again. I don't totally get it because of my situation is X, Y, Z. We can take care of that. Mm-hmm. A lot of the other services are one size fits all. Yeah. And we totally do not believe in that because everybody's got a different goal. Everybody's got different products. Everybody's got a different situation. If you just say, if you're going to spend a bunch of money joining some kind of organization that's going to promise that you know they're going to teach you how to sell on Amazon and make you a millionaire. I'm not doing that, but I'll tell you how to make sure that um, whatever you're doing, you're doing as smartly as you possibly can. Good stuff. Good stuff. The two things I failed to, to ask, um, you know, <laughs> um, your size, the size of your company, how, how big is company now? Um, how many staff do you have? What's So, um, for the Amazon, I mean. Yep, for I specifically, um, we have four other people besides myself, and I guess I'm hiring one of those or two of those people right now. One was an intern, and one was one's going full time. So we'll have five people total that right. manage. This, this so, so prior to the five, you're just three people. You, you were three people churning out eight million. Yeah, it was really busy. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, ridiculous. That's why we need to up our staff by you know uh, sixty or two or sixty six percent because it uh, it was that's like two point un- six million per head. Exactly, unsustainable. Head no, yeah, okay. we're trying to keep it a a cool two million dollars in revenue per person. So ho- okay. hopefully, you know, I can get that going. But again, when you uh, it's 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 exciting, and we are all to do that. But yeah, I mean, it if you guys if anybody. Um, gets to that point, even a million dollars, you're going to need outside help. You're going to need to use those services that Coonley talked about and then 
maybe even, you know, get someone that's much more full time because there's just, there's a lot of moving parts. And, you know, at, at, at some point you are not doing yourself a service by trying to, uh, what is it? Pennywise, Pennywise, Pennywise pound foolish. <laughs> Cent wise dollar. Yeah, exactly. Finish. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. And would you, would you be happy to give us the name of your, your Amazon store? Or is that confidential? You can, uh, well, frankly, I sell under so many different brands okay. that I don't really have a good Amazon store. If you search for fans, mm-hmm. I'll probably be up there. Okay. So don't worry about you know finding my my specific stuff. There's there's so many different brands, and I have multiple accounts and things like that. That um, because I have separate legal entities mm-hmm. that sell different products. That um, you, yeah, you, you've, you've, got, you've, you've got multiple stores, Amazon stores and Amazon entities. Exactly. Exactly. I'm, I'm, we're, a, a lot of our stuff is selling, um, yeah, selling existing brands that sell really well on Amazon. So we're just another, uh, uh, another seller within that. But you know, we we are pretty good at getting the buy box in those situations. Okay. Um, so, any books or resources um, you want to point, um, you know, listeners to? Before you you say your goodbye, um, I'm not a big reader. I would say go ahead and use different sources out there. There's a lot of outsourcing. Um, the only thing that I use a lot that I didn't mention was Upwork. Yeah. Um, Upwork's great for taking care of menial tasks. Mm-hmm. But as far as books and stuff like that, I mean, here's the long and short. I guess here's a good way of answering that question. Yeah, go out and do. Go out and sell. I know that. My brother is in the same mindset mm-hmm. that bring in product, sell it. That's the best way to prove whether it will sell or not by actually selling it or not. Don't get, don't get, you know, don't get too academic. Don't get too paralyzed by mm. details and just go out and start grinding away. And you're going to start selling stuff and you're going to learn stuff. And that's, that's the best way of doing that. So forget, forget the library, you know, get on Amazon and start listing product. And, and, and that's, that's the best lesson. That's an awesome way to end the show. Um, how can our audience, um, you know, um, gets in touch with you? So would it be amzhelp.com? amzhelp.com is a great way. Um, if you want specific kind of advice specifically for me, I'm at clarity dot fm slash amazon okay. clarity dot fm slash amazon but amz help is probably the most economical way okay and it's a really really good service so that's probably the best way to get a hold of me okay fantastic fantastic it's it's been an immense pleasure having you on the show you've just shed so much light and i'm sure this is so much value this episode is going to blow up on the itunes um you know um listings i i i would assume because of the depth you've gone into andrew thank you so much um, for coming on the 2x e-commerce podcast thank you very much all the best to you kunle you, you're the one that makes it happen so i really appreciate you spreading this out there cheers thanks for listening to this episode of 2x e-commerce to help you get more actionable insights and e-commerce growth hacks that will help you 2x your online retail business, hop over to 2xecommerce.com. It's a blog dedicated to e-commerce and multi-channel marketing run by the show's host, Kunle Campbell. 2xecommerce.com is packed full of articles and guides to help increase traffic to your store, increase repeat purchases, and average order value. Thanks for listening. Visit 2xecommerce.com. Yeah.